Warning, the following podcast contains strong language which some listeners may find offensive. And welcome to another episode of the Untitled Wrestling Podcast. And this time it's another one of our special episodes, Getting to Know You. Uh, this episode's theme is our favourite factions. So these can be factions from any wrestling organisation or promotion uh, across the world from whatever time you choose. Uh, so joining us all today collectively is all four. It's fucking awesome. Thank you for the, the first, first time, time ever. It's all first four time, ever. time we've all done a podcast yeah. together, yeah. Yeah. So we got Jay, we've got Aaron and Big Tasty Ben Jackson. How are we all doing, chaps? And yourself. Don't forget yourself. Yeah. And don't me. put I'm yourself here. down like that. Um, <laughs> I, I assume we're all a little bit tired after Bound for Glory last night. Yeah. Uh, got, got an extra round. Hey, I'm buzzing, fun. boys. I'm buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> are you on the iron brew again? Uh, no red cola this time. He's jacked jack oh. up on Mountain Dew. Die, Die Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew code red. <laughs> so yeah, today uh, we're going to discuss our favourite factions. Um, we're going to choose a top three and have a little chat about them. So we'll start with uh, Ben. Okay, um, so I'm going to start with... So just, just so I, I have not picked any WWE factions cool. for this show, so I wanted to bring something with it. I think hipster. you guys might go quite yeah. heavy into them. So, and I, I am here in a, in a hipster capacity. You to, um, so talk much better than WWE. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, I, I haven't picked any dub either. So um, I'm actually going to start with Fortune. Oh, fair nice. enough. Bye. Fair play. So for anyone who doesn't doesn't know, Fortune formed. I want to say around 2010. It was around 2010. It was um, Ric Flair's attempt to reform the four horsemen uh, it actually came out of a car crash of, of an angle which was the rick flair was trying to turn aj styles into a new rick flair oh i remember that which was really, which bad. Was really he bad he turned cause... heel against kurt angle and yeah. hit him with the belt to, to like win in a match well, I remember. and then he, he went like cocky heel aj like, which cocky playboy heel yeah like aj styles like the man who like was you know he, his wife featured on like uh, promos for him and then all of a sudden he's there like getting into limousines with like women and Ric Flair and wooing yeah. it was it was it was really strange which is completely so anyway, so. against anything AJ Styles is about because he's like a really good kind of straight laced Christian guy isn't he yeah he's, he's like a proper Christian family yeah, man yeah. and even when he was heel he was his heel persona was always built around like I'm better than you I'm a better wrestler mm. than you and now it was just like no I'm gonna have all the sex with all these women so <laughs> that's how it works <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of jarring to say the least but, but so out of, the, out of that smoldering like train crash came um, a, a reformed four horsemen which was AJ Styles Kazarian and Beer Money initially uh, they did have uh, Desmond Wolf slash Nigel McInnes floating around for a while but stupidly they decided to kick him out for, for no reason whatsoever um, because he was deemed too good of course I don't know um, and, then, and then eventually event, eventually they got um, he would nuts. That was when he retired, wasn't it? But it was before then, because that was before he formed uh, London Brawling with Magnus. So yeah, oh, little remember. Ah, okay. Well, it was always got um, So they they were initially their heels, which was kind of weird because you had like they were like the most over guys in the company. It was like Kaz, AJ, Beer Money, mm. um, and then eventually they turned 
on Immortal and they had a big, really good feud with Immortal. And then Daniels joined for lockdown. They had a good lethal lockdown match. Yeah, they were. You know, it was awesome. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say they got anywhere near the Four Horsemen, but for a for a sort of superstar faction mm. in 2010s TNA, the, the sort of garbage fire that that was, they were they were pretty good. Was was TNA not a good product to watch back in 2010? No. Oh, this was okay, this was up. like the this was like peak. This was peak Hogan. Yeah. So this oh. is when you had like Bubba the Love Sponge, the Nasty Boys, oh, Orlando Christ. Jordan, Morgan, Bischoff, so when they were trying to compete with Raw, wasn't it? So when they moved, yeah, they moved to Monday and went live to try and compete against Raw. They actually scored um, a rating that isn't actually that much lower than what Raw gets right now. But just the once, um, <laughs> just once, just, just once, once. They had, just one, they time. Had one pop. <laughs> uh, and it was, but it was just terrible. So like, awesome Kong quit because Bubba racially assaulted the back, racially insulted her backstage. If you punched him, and then she got fired. Jesus. Um, yeah, it was it was a real bad time. What what <laughs> a time to be a wrestling fan! It's literally just <laughs> WCW in the late nineties backstage. That's how it, it was. It was so. It, it was like it was like yeah. It was like Niger car crash booking every week. It was like proper WCW. But out of this, we had AJ Styles, Kazarian, and Beer Money putting on great matches, like almost almost in defiance of what was going on around them, which was quite nice. Sweet. So yeah, that's that's, that's my first pick. Nice, good shout, man. Um, Aaron. Right. Shall we get right? There's one that me and Dry have one shared. Shall we get it out of the way? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Right. We have both got Evolution, as in Triple H, Randy Orton, Batista, and Ric Flair. Not Mark Jindrak. Not Mark Jindrak. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Jindrak. I think Ric Flair's going two for two on this list already. Uh, which I'm, I'm uh, well, that's uh, that's going to have to change. Isn't there's going to be there's <laughs> going to be different reasons why me and Troy love them. So I'll go first. Right. It's true. Me being a Raw kid, never really watched SmackDown because Raw was on like Friday nights, like just a re- replay. Uh, Triple H's Reign of Terror is alive and kicking, just pitting everyone in their place with a sledgey. Uh, with the sledgey. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky sledgey for the lads. Christ the lad. Cheeky sledgey for the lads. Uh, <laughs> So, me being a kid, absolutely hated Evolution. You always had Goldberg fighting them, Shawn Michaels fighting them, and then Rob Van Dam, Booker T, all them lot, all the faces. Even Nash and McFoley at one point. Just triply shoving everyone down. Uh, Couldn't get rid of them at all. They held all the men's titles on Raw at one point. They were all tag team Intercontinental and world titles. Uh, It just... Them hating me, me growing up now, it just they done their job as heels, a heel faction. You hated mm. all of them. Even when Orton split up from them, became face, just mm-hmm. you fell in love with him because he got battered by Triple H and Batista and Flair. Yeah. Uh, Is that the really cool um, like thumbs yeah. down moments mm-hmm. of Triple H? Yeah. And Batista had him on his shoulders That's and it. then he just like, I've yeah. I've got a few highlights of kind of their their few years together written down, which I'll, I'll go into after Aaron's, yeah, after it, Aaron's finished. It just, it makes me realise now growing up, like I appreciate what they did, even though it was mm. Triple H's reign of terror. It done the job. The very little wins that you did get on Evolution, you popped like <laughs> you a badass. When you look back at them as well, like they literally, the whole aim of the faction was to not just solidify Triple H as a main event, which everyone kind of forgets. Yeah. It's all it was also to 
elevate Batista and Randy Orton, and they literally literally became two of the biggest stars of the era. So yeah, you got yeah, it's accomplished. It, I've just got three memorable moments here: is the face turn Orton, the face turn of Batista, just like that, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. just Orton Flair and Batista versus the Rock and McFoley at Mania Twenty. I thoroughly oh, yeah, enjoyed yeah. that match. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. the Rock coming back fun. as well. Yeah, yeah man. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I've got a few bits and pieces written down, kind of more so about their formation and some kind of like points throughout there, and then their kind of eventual breakup. Just straight off the bat, before I go into that, they've got one of my favourite entrance musics ever. I like hear that in the sand. Yes, Spe- special <laughs> shout out. We actually named an IPA after that because we loved it. That much. Yes, you yeah. did. Yeah, man. And it's fantastic. <laughs> it's good. I've had it. <laughs> Got, yeah, got Nick Aldis absolutely fucked up. <laughs> yeah, we got Nick Aldis real drunk on it. It was great. <laughs> but no, that, it's a, it's a, that's a great theme. Like anytime so, they play so it on, um, uh, I listen to Primordial Radio in the brewery. Shout out to Primordial Radio, and they play that every now and then, and it's, yeah. it always gets me going. Yeah, I get the feeling that uh, that'll be a, a joint um, entry on the best theme songs when we eventually get around to that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> be, we'll probably have a list of at least 10 that are yeah. unanimously, like, we're all just like, yeah, but that's yeah. absolutely in there. <laughs> it's so, so good. Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, Flair, Triple H, Orton, Batista. Um, Batista was out injured with a triceps injury, I think, when they originally were looking to form it, and they spoke about that in a documentary. Didn't um, they both get injured? Uh, Batista and Orton, like, one yeah. match? Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of backstage yes, hate on it. <laughs> so they were going to bring Mark Jindrak in to replace Batista, but decided that Jindrak was a bad influence on Orton. So they held off, waited for Batista to, to get better and eventually just put him into it. Um, How can you be a bad influence in a faction that also includes Rick Flair? <laughs> 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 How bad do you have to be? <laughs> so just a little bit on their kind of formation. Um, after Triple H defended the world, the world championship at Unforgiven, uh, it's 2002, Ric Flair came down to the ring with a sledgehammer and looked like he was he was going to hit Triple H, but instead hit RVD. And then from then on, Ric started accompanying Triple then, H to the ring was, as kind of like a sort of manager. It was during the night too. I think Ric Flair had a match against someone. Earlier in the night, yeah, Earlier yeah, yeah. in the night, he just couldn't get a win. He was losing constantly and Triple H was like, mate, you're shite, you're old, you're a has-been. And then obviously, yeah. Rick. Whoa, easy tiger. Uh, well, that's they, what Triple H Rick, was saying. And then Rick Flair Rick just Flair went, also said it as well. Like, Rick was yeah. just like, I didn't know what to do with myself, sort of thing. And this was the spark he needed to kind of yeah. reignite his love for the business, I think. Um, but yeah, then Batista moved over to SmackDown and Rick Flair started accompanying him to the ring as well. Um, then in 2003, I think. Um, they all three of them joined in. It was like a beat down on Scott Steiner, your favourite, Jay. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> uh, which Randy Orton then joined in on. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, Triple H kind of announced that that's who they were. They were Evolution and explained why they were called that because Ric Flair was the past and Triple H was the present. And then to the future was Orton and Batista. So they just went on, like you say, just a, a proper tear up and were near enough unbeatable. At one point they had... All of the belts, I think, Orton's uh, was Intercontinental. Blair and Batista were tag teams. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah two- shovel off a Goldberg. <laughs> 2003, they tried to recruit Kane. 
which ended in a title versus mass stipulation match. Kane lost, and that was when he was fully unmasked. Was um, that the Kitty Vic storyline? Uh, no, no, that was a different one. I think it was before that. The Katie um, Vic one was like about six months before yeah. that. Then in 2004, and this was kind of the start of, I suppose, their, their breakup and stuff. 2004, uh, Orton beat Benoit at SummerSlam, and that was when he became the youngest world champion. Uh, after he beat him again on Raw like a week or so later, Orton was celebrating with Evolution on top of Batista's shoulders, which is when you then got the thumbs down and he dropped him. Um, and then they just started the beat down on him. Then Triple H started to started his feud with Orton and, and went after the bout. I think they had a match at Unforgiven. And then they kind of fully broke up in 2005. All three of them were in an elimination chamber match. Um, Orton beat Batista. Triple H beat Orton with help from Batista afterwards. And then the next night on Raw, there was number one contenders match, um, which Orton won in order to gain a title shot at the Rumble. And Triple H asked Batista to not enter the Rumble for reasons. Uh, and Batista's like, no, no, I'm entering. Turns out he won it. And then that turned into their whole thing where I think Triple H was trying to insinuate that it was JBL that kind of like knocked him over of a car and had been saying this, that and the other so that he wouldn't come out to Triple H's belt. And we could, trying r- to steer him towards JBL. We could rule his evolution on both brands as well. With he was, sorry. That, that's what Triple H was saying to Batista. <coughs> yeah, we, yeah. We could rule as evolution on both brands. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they had that. Um he won the rumble. I think that was the year that him and Cena were like the last two in and they had that where they oh, both, both hit squads. Both, both. Yeah, that's it. Vince did his quads. They both hit the floor at the same time. <laughs> but then... Sat down like an angry child throwing a temper tantrum <laughs> in the middle of the ring. Fortune, mate. Fortune, 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 Fortune. Won it. Fortune. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Batista won it. Um, and then I think they were doing like a kind of contract signing for which brand he was going to go to. And he decided to stay on SmackDown and choose Triple H to face hand thumbs up there and the thumbs down. And that was it. It was fucking awesome. Um, and then, yeah, which mania was it that they... 21. 21. Yeah. And Batista beat him. Um, but yeah, it was fucking awesome. They're, they're so also good. Also, I had a really underrated Hell in a Cell match with uh, Triple H. Because of... Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, um... Evolution of fucking superb. Like I was always a fan of Ric Flair. Just he was one of the first people that I saw. Like the first Rumble that I saw was the '92 Rumble that he won. So already I was just like, well, I know who Ric Flair is. He's really good. Um, and then Triple H, like during his kind of reign of terror thing, it was like, well, you couldn't help but kind of yeah. not enjoy what he was doing, but but hate yeah. him. Yeah, and it was just like, okay, I see where they're going with this. And then obviously didn't really know much about Orton and and, and Batista with them kind of being fairly new. Um, but yeah, they were just they were fucking excellent. And then you look at kind of the career they had as singles guys off the back of that kind of faction. And yeah, it just speaks for itself. So yeah, yep. that's our entry. No uh, arguments there from me. Jay, what's your first one? Well, Ben's just said that Ric Flair is two for two at the moment. And obviously you can't talk about Ric Flair and factions without talking about Ric Flair and his main faction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is a four in the name, um, but it's the four horsemen. Um, Is it Rick's got three entries straight off the bat? bat. Fucking hell. I was going to save this to last, and then you two, 
you lot, well, I say you two, you lot fucking all dropped in Ric Flair. I was like, well, <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to, I've got to throw him in now. It's just, just fits. Um, <laughs> so this was kind of the first exposure I ever had to a faction. And it was one of the first like real factions per se done right in wrestling. So it was essentially, they were called the Four Horsemen after the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. So you had Ric Flair, who was the world champion. And then you had Tully Blanchard, originally Arn Anderson and Ollie Anderson. Um, so Arn and Ollie were the tag champs and Tully was like the mid-card guy. And then you had JJ Dillon as like the manager. Um, and it was basically, they were they all hated Dusty Rhodes. So that was what they were going to do. They were going to get Dusty. Um, was it like, let's beat up John Cena? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> it's done right. <laughs> well, yeah, but it was it was more it was more a case of that Dusty was kind of like the white knights are there, like sort of like evil yeah, yeah. band of like marauders. Yeah. Um yeah, so basically the the way I look at it is that the influence they've got is literally pretty much on every everything that's followed them. So like mm-hmm. as far as fac- heel factions are concerned, they're the blueprints. Um if it wasn't for the four horsemen Need uh, sorry, Dusty Rhodes needing like a sort of big blow off match for the four horse to get his uh, for the four horsemen to get the come up and sorry, and tell about only just had the sip me coffee. <laughs> <laughs> then you wouldn't have one of our favourite stipulations being war games, war games. <laughs> they, there was ob- there was obviously different iterations after Ole Anderson started being Ole Anderson and being a bit of a dickhead. Uh, so you end up getting like Barry Windham, uh, Lex Luger, Sid. Um, it also led yeah. to the infamous angle in WCW with Robocop saving Sting from the Four hell. Horsemen. Jesus oh, um, Christ. Fuck that. me dead. Um, <laughs> I remember watching that as well. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, they were just really like, as I say, Triple H like wouldn't have made evolution if it wasn't for the Four Horsemen. Um, yeah, and there's so many, as I say, as I've said, like already, often imitated, never duplicated. Like, they, mm. they are the for me, the quintessential faction in wrestling. Like, yeah, just just for like how, like, you get the, the flare promos where they're all stood around, he's kind of cutting his promo, like being the showboat, and then you've got like you've got Arnold Tully who say stuff, and they're a bit more menacing about the way they do it. Mm. literally JJ Dillon was there just to kind of like put the put the full stop on a lot of stuff like he's a really good manager but he didn't need them but he mm. still he still didn't feel a miss within the faction yeah if yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah um yeah like ju- just um just going back and watching like old WCW and NWA stuff of them mm-hmm. is the the idea they had which again it was it was sort of to like rule wrestling as heels it it just seemed to work and you can see that because going forward so many factions have took that formula and just gone with it fortune uh, <laughs> well, yeah, evolution too yeah that's the thing yeah. there wouldn't have been either of our entries had it not been for the four horsemen yeah. so. like like Arn and Sully wouldn't have been as big stars if they weren't in the, the four horsemen mm. maybe you Sully because s- he was a singles guy but not Arn yeah would you say like, I'm sure there are factions. For, would you say they were the first properly recognised 
like faction or were there notable factions before there was them? there was a couple of factions like at the same time which would like it was like a different a diff, different sort of blueprint so mm. as, as far as i can think and i could be wrong but the, the, they're like one of the first four-man factions where it was mm-hmm. and also like again with their aim which evolution did do with their uh, getting all the gold was to get all the gold yeah so yeah. flare up the nwa title totally have the uh, tv title north american title and then the uh, minnesota wrecking crew having the um the tag that titles seems, yeah yeah um but like the the only other faction that I can I can think of really around that time was you had the Von Erichs, which was like oh, yeah. a family and they were baby faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the other one was you had um the Freebirds. I was gonna say literally, Freebirds. Literally the were two they, names I had in my head there. Yeah. Was the Freebirds a little bit before? Um I'm not too sure the exact dates. I mean they were seventies and eighties. They were a similar era. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. early early 80s yeah, um, yeah, yeah. the free birds actually influenced another pick I've got later on um, but yeah <laughs> and the free birds were excellent too uh, going yeah. back and it, it's just one of those things like with, with the four horsemen it, every every iteration was designed to kind of elevate everybody in it mm-hmm. not just like and it was kind of like doing it off flare spotlight of being like the kind of biggest star in the industry at the time yeah yeah um, that wasn't well that wasn't called Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, um, they, they were just excellent. Especially like when you yeah. look at some of the stuff they do. Like, And so not only that, some of the super teams that Dusty Rhodes put together to kind of combat that. Yeah, yeah. Dusty Rhodes team with the Road Warriors straight up. It's just like, fucking yeah, awesome. That's excellent. Yeah, Throwing yeah, yeah. the Cole off for good measure with his fucking chain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. I, I just love the Four Horsemen. They're, they're excellent. Yeah, that's that's an ex- that's a great shout. Really, really good. Sweet. Uh, ben, next one. Next one. Okay, so I'm going to take you all the way back to 2010 again. <laughs> can tell when I, can tell when I watch a lot of wrestling. <laughs> <don't you? laughs> I'm going to take you to the recently defunct Chikara promotion. And I'm going to talk about the British After Dead Cruisers. The who? You Cross. want me? <laughs> the, the Brotherhood of the Cross translated. They were, a, okay. a, again, a heel stable um, built around, at the time, Claudio Castagnoli. Oh, no Cesaro. way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Current, current Cesaro in, um, in WWE. There was actually a couple of other other guys in this that you might recognize. Uh, well, there was one other guy you might recognize. It was Lindsay Dorado, who was also a member. Huh. So they were a heel stable that sort of formed around sort of Claudio Castagnoli, um, a guy called Ares, not not Austin Ares, someone else, and a, a, a sort of big lad called Tursus. And they were they were really cool. They had a finishing move called Ragnarok, where oh, um, Claudio Castagnoli and the big the other big guy would hold a guy up like, by their arms over their head, and Ares, Ares would was run as well, wasn't he? I think so, yeah. And Ares would run and hit their leg and like, kind of flip them, and like oh, it was it was sick. Mm. Anyway, um, they sort of had their like big moments at the 2010 King of Trios tournament. Um, now, the, the King of Trios tournament was always my favourite thing to watch every year. It was, uh, what it sounded like, it was a, a three-man tag team tournament. Yeah. And the, the 2010 card, I'll just run, th- I'll just run through a few, a few chosen names because it was absolutely stacked. So yeah. you had uh, the BDK, the, the, they had two uh, teams, one with Claudio Castagnoli and one with Lindsay Dorado in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colony, who were headed by Firant, who you might know better as Orange Cassidy. Oh, really? <laughs> yep, you had uh, Team Fist, which featured Chuck Taylor. Nice. You had the Jackson Three, which included Matt and Nick Jackson. 
<laughs> the Jackson. And Malachi, didn't they? And yeah, Malachi Jackson as well. Wow. <laughs> uh, you had the Assyrian Portal, which featured Sarah Del Rey. Um, Johnny Gargano was in there. Bloody hell. Um, Pineapple Pete was in there with Colt Cabana. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was an absolutely stacked stack. card. It was, stack. it was it was it was really really good. And yeah, the BDK were like the sort of it was the colony. The BDK were like opposite ends of the brackets, and they were sort of destined to, to sort of on this collision course. And um, yeah, they they met the they met in the final, and uh, with a returning heel referee, the the heels were able to win. Which the, the only time I've ever been like really pumped for a heel win because you know Claudio Castagnoli, Cesaro is mm. one of the one of the most criminally underlooked wrestlers of the last decade yeah in terms of success thousand percent agree yeah and this yeah. but this stable was built around him it was like it was, really? his, it was his thing he was the, he was the mouthpiece he was like the main star it was really great to, i was i was really big into the kings of wrestling at this point mm. with him and chris hero oh yeah, and yeah. Like any, any, anything that let him get like That's more time like king, in the spotlight kings of wrestling is a conversation for another day oh that is they are absolutely on, on oh, several of the lists yeah <laughs> <laughs> biggest no, wasted opportunities in WWE that's one of my picks I'm going to just say it right now Spoiler <laughs> when, they, when, they, when, when they had both the Kings they of Wrestling they had both, in both of them and he split them up it was like what are you fucking doing who, yeah. who were the Kings of Wrestling sorry Chris Hero Chris Hero aka Cassius Ono yeah. and oh, Cesaro yeah. oh okay right, right, and right. they were just a fucking excellent tag team and they split yeah. them up wow did they split they them up they signed them together yeah, they, and then they split they, them up they oh, had them both in NXT at the same time and had them both be singles guys fucking hell <laughs> so and then and then did nothing with them. So. Mm. Makes us our rugby player. <laughs> yeah, but no, this this was this, these these were just a really excellent like dominating heel. They were you know that sort of evolution mm-hmm. sort of mold. They 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 literally ran the top of the card for the best part of a year and a half. They they won everything. I think Claudio. I don't think he quite won the um the grand championship because that was held by my boy Eddie Kingston at the time. <laughs> So they, they never quite got there, but they they won all the tournaments. They won the tag belts, mm-hmm. yeah, and they, they just did a great um, just did a great job of being top heels, really. Yeah, yeah, that's a great shot. What was the promotion they were uh, part of again? Sorry, Chikara. Chikara. Where so were they, they were, based? They, they were based in Philly. Okay. Um, they shut down uh, earlier this year. Really? Emerged that Mike Mike Quackenbush was heavily implicated in the, the speaking out movement. Um, oh, fuck so it, oh, really? He literally, he literally just shut the entire promotion down because all, yeah. all half the wrestlers left and they quit in protest. And wow. then, yeah, they, just, they, they had like a wrestling school as well. So they were really, they brought a lot of people. I mean, he was a, he obviously he's a bit of a scumbag and I don't condone his actions in any way, shape or form, mm-hmm. but he brought a lot of people in. You look at like guys like Orange Cassidy, mm-hmm. um, Chuck Taylor, Johnny Gargano, they all like got like starts in Chikara. They were all trained in part by Chris oh, Hero, really? Claudio Castagnoli, Mike Quackenbush, anyone who was trained by like, Chris Hero or, or Claudio, they probably came through Chikara at some point. Damn. Bloody hell. It's a so, good yeah. I'll, uh, I'll have to go back and check some of stuff out. Is, is any of it on YouTube or anything? At all? I think, I mean, it's probably, they, they did have an on-demand service, but I imagine that's probably gone away now. There'll, um, be, there'll be a way to get it. There'll um, be stuff on YouTube, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 watch, I managed to watch it, like, on weird in weird ways yeah. 10 years ago on the internet so I'm sure it's still around in some capacity yeah but if, uh, the, the King of Trios tournaments are the ones you want that was, was like the big one to recommend to watch uh, one, yeah. one of the King of Trios tournaments had the um, British Strong Style versus um, AJ Styles and the Young Bucks in it yeah wow. I mean every year every year they just got they, like yeah they, they had insane. like some like massive massive teams in it like tour trios I should say um, definitely worth like, CM Punk was in it one year and awesome yeah in 2012, it was Chuck Taylor team with Johnny Gargano. You know, 
Um, good job. The, the Young Bucks and Mike Bennett for a team. Um, <laughs> they do have a, a YouTube channel called Chicago Live. Okay. Love it. Good call. Cheers, man. Uh, Aaron, your next one? My next one. I'm going to go and state the obvious one. <clears throat> e Generation X. <laughs> of course it was on your it's list. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be on the list. Uh, not the Shawn Michaels, because he wasn't really a part of the faction DX. Uh, X-Pac, the New Age Outlaws, Billy Gunn and Road Dog, and China. The root. The original wasn't there someone else in that as well. There was other little ones like Rick Rude and I, I meant Triple H because you didn't. Oh, did say I him. not say Triple H? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he's doing now. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a busy man. Uh, just watching them like evolve from Shawn Michaels being a bit of a rage on nights out. Uh, <laughs> Triple H bringing back uh, X-Pac from WCW and then on the same night, this is literally a night after Mania, literally just bringing uh, Outlaws into them after helping them in the main event of the Raw after Mania. Uh Uh, China was always there. Just watching Triple H go from European title to Intercontinental title and eventually world title success. Uh, The Outlaws, multiple tag team title reigns. Even, they were so entertaining to watch, man. Even throwing hardcore title reigns and intercontinental title mm-hmm. reigns in there for them. And just x pack being different, fast, agile, quick, green leotard. <laughs> 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 just, it's great to just see something different. Uh, China as well, man. Yeah, just China like being a woman a of like her stature, yeah. just being a beast as well, yeah. And, and that rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, just, I don't know what I need to really say. Just, I've said DX, some memorable moments, just dressing up as a nation, taking the piss out of them, which could be a bit racially incentive now that I think of it, but it's okay. <laughs> it's the late 90s. <laughs> the late 90s, anything fucking went then, didn't it? Uh, and also invading WCW with a tank. That was fucking delightful to watch. Yeah, that's that's a highlight. It's one of the best which, moments ever. Um, which again, I was saying before about the horseman never, uh, often duplicated, never, well, often imitated, never duplicated. Yeah. That one bit with the tank gets duplicated so fucking much nowadays mm-hmm. and it's never as good as DX no. doing it. I mean, Shotzi Blackheart turned it into a gimmick. I was th- I was thinking of when Sean and Triple H were like the dads there bringing NXT to SmackDown on the fucking a tank on the oh, tank yeah, yeah. bunny ears tank <laughs> as they like to call it. I mean, D- DX really was that like lightning in a bottle, like, yeah. yeah. That you're never gonna like, like you Jay said, like a lot of people have tried to do this sort of like radical, you know, mm-hmm. youth movement faction, but like it's never gonna happen again. Yeah. It was just the perfect time. Um, yeah. it's, it's the only faction I've legitimately wanted to be yeah. in professional wrestling, like mm. you know. I mean, yeah, even it, if you didn't want wrestling, everyone knew what the suck it fucking yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. knew yeah. it. Yeah. Like, you can still get, like, there's video games now where you can get suck it emotes yeah. still, like in 2020. Mental. You know, it's. Yeah. Um, I'd just quickly, two little things as well. Outlaws versus Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, just that whole rivalry. Top notch. Mm-hmm. Oh, was that the. Um, the throwing them into a dumpster? Yeah. 
it, it yeah. started from like January and finishes at like the end of the year. This whole rivalry, mental. Um, and also Triple H versus The Rock at SummerSlam 1998. It, it's the finale of the Nation versus DX. Just that match. Go watch it. It's oh, absolutely yeah. fantastic. That the ladder match. Yeah, the ladder match yeah, for yeah. the Intercontinental title. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It is indeed. Was um, was it Tyson was part of DX for a bit? Yeah, because that was at Austin and Shawn Michaels rivalry. That was and it, the match yeah. at Mania. I remember that. Yeah, was, think yeah Kane, Kane was a member very briefly. Yeah, his first words with his vocalizer was sucking. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Now look at him; he's a politician. <laughs> now he's a mayor. Yeah, so you know he's all grown he, up. Yeah, that was yeah, <laughs> yeah. his start in politics. <laughs> That's a good shout. It, uh, it's mad as well. It feels like obviously we'll, we'll, we'll probably do a tag team one at some point, but it feels like the New Age Outlaws never quite get the historical rub they deserve. No. Mm. Well, I don't know because none of them really broke. Neither of them really broke out as a single guy. The reason guy. for so this as well, if you go back and watch them, like I've done so many times, um, it's like they're so good on the mic, but every match they seem to have like no no stipulation, just a normal tag team match. It's always the same moveset, the same shift. The same. Hey, you yes. leave you leave the road dogs weird punches alone. <laughs> it's shame at man punches. It's just the same new age outlaws match I mean, over and over fair, again. Wasn't road dog like off his face on like painkillers at that point? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably why, because Billy had to fucking carry all the weight. Um <laughs> one thing I will say about DX as well before we do move on is uh like you look at you look at that was like kind of the reaction to the NWO, which was the hottest thing in wrestling at the time. Mm-hmm. And it got over, for me anyway, it got over more because they didn't have everybody join it. No. They didn't have loads of old fellas join and trying to be cool and edgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it was one thing with Hogan being in the NWO. But, and he was like, kind of like the lead. Well, he was the leader, wasn't he? Mm. And then he should have been like the elder statesman, like the flair. And let everyone else be like, like Hall and Nash in it. Everyone else in it be the younger people mm. whereas it just ended up being oh I wouldn't be in the NWO because I get more money off the t-shirts oh, it, was, it was fucking ridiculous at one point wasn't it oh, they, didn't they then split into variant there was like the NWO NWO, NWO Hollywood LWO NWO Hollywood NWO 2000 NWO Silver L- LWO nearly got a fucking shout out <laughs> on this by me <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie Eddie Guerrero's fucking faction <laughs> Um, at Blue World Order as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least with DX, they stayed like fairly kind of, uh, what's the word? Compact. Like, relevant. Compressed. <laughs> tight. Just <laughs> more so, just like true to themselves. They're just like, well, this is this mm. is who's in it. We're not going to change it. I'm sticking with this. And it's good. And also, and it, didn't yeah, get it, was it was a remarkable show of restraint. Yeah. That's it. when you consider how wrestling has gone in the last like decade. Yeah. Restraint, restraints in short order. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, when it comes to booking. One thing that... Um, one thing that does get overlooked as well with it is their main run was only a year. Yeah. Really? They they formed the Raw after Mania 14 and by Mania 15 they split up. Yeah. In fact, oh. they split up on Mania 15. They'd, they'd done a quick couple of like rehash it like back together. But they, it, they tried to keep it yeah. with like X-Pac, Road Dog, and Billy Gunn but it wasn't the same because Triple H had left. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, like they literally did it like over a 12-month period. You forget and that. He, it feels like so much longer. Split. 
they teased the split for about three months. Hmm. It was like Steve sees the split from like December to WrestleMania. Is Shawn, and Shawn yeah, Michaels so. and Triple H were only what six nine months before that together. The yeah, X? <laughs> yeah. There was there was more time with the new dad version. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then there was the actual version, which everyone when should you, like. When you break it down to like t-shirts sold, break it down. Like like that. That I like that. <laughs> and, and, and on that note, the the music was banging as well. Yeah, like, that was, yeah. yeah You want to talk about good? You want to talk about good music to get you pumped? Yeah, yeah that was even uh, fucking right. Even X Pac's version of it was pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he stole off Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying? Sorry about. Uh, was it about merch, Ben? Yeah, I mean, like they sold like a, a million T-shirts, didn't they? It mm-hmm. was like it was it was a pr- it was like between that and you know the Austin three sixty. Yeah. Yeah. That's when WWE really started to like solidify that their merch game was like top tier. Mm. So I was never a big Shawn Michaels fan as a kid, so I just DX was my thing. I really enjoyed. You are now, though, aren't you? <laughs> you'd see you'd see the crowds of events, and every sign would be a DX sign. Every sign, every mm-hmm. T-shirt would be a DX T-shirt. It'd be suck it yeah. this, suck it that. Yeah. You know, nuts. Especially because they were meant to be heels, but they were the, they were like so good. They were the, the most over people <laughs> in the company. They, again, they, they were anti they were anti establishment. They? they were like they mm. were the guys goofing off and like taking the piss out of everyone, and that's what yeah. people wanted to be. So yeah, very much a product of that era as well. It's almost like they encapsulated the views of Generation X. Who'd have, who'd have possibly thought it? Yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Great shout. My next one, I'm going to take you back to 1996. Fucking hell. I was one year old, Paul. How am I making? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, formed in 1996 by founding member Farouk. It's the Nation of Domination. Um, nice. Original members were Charles Mason, D'Lo Brown, Crush, and Savio Vega. Um, they were all then fired not too long after that, apart from D'Lo Brown, and kind of this is when they really took on their their final form, if you like. Um, and they then brought in uh, Karma, Mustafa, Ahmed Johnson. Um, and Farouk promised a, a bigger, badder, blacker version of the group. And their whole kind of thing was they were kind of this like militia kind of slight play on like Black Panther stuff. And it was very, very, very edgy to say the least. And they got an awful lot of hate given kind of their, their gimmick and, and the way they portrayed themselves and stuff like that. All, all wrestling um, fans are white supremacists. <laughs> so they were um they were very controversial in in kind of yeah the way they kind of put themselves forward and were portrayed and stuff um but really really interesting to watch um so yeah they they had Dilo brown ahmed johnson um and karma but Johnson was injured. I think had like a legitimate injury. And so they then brought Rocky Maivia, as he was known at the time, in to replace him. Um, during 1998, they were feuding with Ken Shamrock uh, and Rocky Maivia won the Intercontinental Championship. In the process, uh, Mark Henry, who was partners with Ken Shamrock, turned heel on him and then also joined uh, the nation. Um, then later on in the year, uh, 
The Rock went on to kind of become the leader and they ousted Farouk, which who they then kind of went on later to, to feud for quite a while, uh, the nation against Farouk. Um, and then as The Rock kind of took over as, as, as leader of the group, their music changed and that music then eventually became many, many iterations of The Rock's different theme tunes in years, years gone past. Um, but yeah, they had... Uh, Owen Hart joined at one point. Um, I'm just trying to remember when that was. Um, I've got it written down here 99. somewhere. 99. That was it. No, we'll go 98. Yes, it was. Yeah, because it was uh, the Rock and D'Lo Brown were against Shamrock and Owen Hart. And then Owen turned on Shamrock yeah. and joined them as well. Um, but yeah, this for me, they the amount of kind of big single stars that kind of came off the back of the nation were massive. Like Farouk obviously had his stuff before and then went on to do uh, the Acolytes and APA. Mark Henry went on to the, the whole world's strongest man gimmick and um, fucking sexual chocolate as well. Can't forget that. Um, Owen Hart went on to Blue Blazer. Um, D'Lo Brown just went around shaking his head a lot. Um, <laughs> Here, here's my question, just to quickly skip. See when May Young gave birth to Mark Henry's hand, why was it white? I don't remember that. I Why don't, was I don't it white? That. Aaron, I've erased that from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the fact that your question was why was it white and not why was it a fucking hand? <laughs> <laughs> or just, or just why? I mean, so yeah, in, in, in 98, yeah, Rock became the leader of the group. Um, ousted Farouk. They changed their music. Um, the Rock then really kind of, well, drops Rocky Maivere and just became The Rock. Um, they also dropped their name and they were just known as The Nation. They dropped domination from it. Um, and that's when, like, Rock's character kind of really, really came into his own uh, and really, really got over people. Um, and then, yeah, each kind of character within that started to form their own kind of little gimmicks and stuff. So eventually when, when they split up, uh, which was around the end of 98. Yeah, um, say November 98th yeah. on Wikipedia. And then Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown sort of continued on the nation gimmick for a bit, but it wasn't really the same and that was quite short-lived. Um, but yeah. They had a tight team, didn't they? And then yeah. They, yeah. They, Mark Henry turned on D'Lo when he hit him with a guitar. I think. Yeah. I think so, joined, yeah. Joined forces with a ain't he great Jeff Jarrett. The king <laughs> of the mountain. That was one of the first feuds I remember watching when I started watching WWE. Well, Nation were the first kind of real faction that I was aware of. Like I've, I've been watching wrestling since like 92, 93. Um, and there were various tag teams that I really liked, but in terms of like an actual group, like a, a group of like numbers. More than two people. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where they were just, I don't know, like I'd never heard anyone get booed that much. Like at times when they'd come out and they were absolutely fucking hated. Um, but I was like their music was their original music. I used to really, really like, uh, and then obviously the iterations that changed into the rock music were really, really good as well. But yeah, for me, they were like the first like faction, um, that I gravitated to and kind of took notice of. Um, but then, like I say, kind of the, the singles careers that all came off the back of the various guys that were in that, um, it's pretty big. Like obviously the rock is, is the biggest one. Um, but yeah, I love them. I think they're, they're really, really cool. And I think uh, at the time, like I said, at the start, they're kind of very controversial. I think that was 
Um, like similar to DX in that it was very much a thing of like, that was what the product was at the time. And you, like, you could really, really push the boundaries of what you could do with some of these gimmicks and factions and characters and stuff. Um, and although DX are kind of like the, the comedic side of that, you had stuff like this that really kind of pushed like a few buttons and really touched on some kind of like sensitive subjects um, during that time. So yeah, I love them. I think they're awesome. Uh, yeah, they were great. Um, yeah, you look back at Farouk and he's someone who really should have like, especially at that time in the Nation of Domination, there was talk of it, wasn't there, putting the belt on him. Yeah, yeah. But like, they, he, should, he definitely should have been so good. Probably a little bit too progressive for um, WWE at the time. <laughs> yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, but I mean, they were, the, the stable themselves were massively progressive. Like, you think this was like a couple of years after the Los Angeles riots, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, yeah, it was to see a, a group of of the black guys at the top of the card was mm. was great. Was probably was great, you know, for for the time as you said. You know, the the fans had issues with with that just as a just as a concept, basically. Yeah, yeah. which shows shows you how the world was back then. Um, <laughs> yeah, sweet. Uh, Jay, your go. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go for. I'm just debating this one now. <laughs> Fuck it, yeah, I'll go for that. Uh, so I was talking about obviously the four horsemen with a blueprint for a four-man faction. I'm going to talk about another faction that um, follow the blueprint of... Well, sorry, a faction that follow the blueprint of another faction, the Freebirds, which um, is the New Day. Nice. Just great choice. Um, obviously, they've just been... They've not split up. They've no. been separated. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it go it kind of as well. Um, it when it, funnily enough, when we you were talking about evolution and Triple H said there uh, to Batista, he could rule Raw, but he could rule SmackDown. I feel like that could be what is going to happen with the New Day. Mm. Ali been separated on brands. Uh, Biggie champion, uh, well main events are on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. On Raw. Um, yeah, they they were just they're just really a really dynamic faction, like they. The adaptability they've had, where they started off as faces doing like, well, actually, no, they started off originally. It was weird. So there was a promo where where they joined, where Xavier Woods was dressed as Brother Love and he was going to marry Biggie and Kofi and they were going to form like a new nation of domination. And they, did, they didn't want to do that because they wanted to kind of be set like a separate thing. They didn't want to mm. just be like a rehash of something. A rehash, or yeah, yeah. So they they wanted to, they, but they wanted to be a heel faction. Now Vince, being Vince, decided he wants to debut them as a baby face faction and all, but like the power of positivity. So they come out and they were kind of like, they kind of like preachers, a preacher, like sermons yeah. and preachers, yeah. Because all their but, vignettes before were just like, yeah. Like yeah. the scenes out of the Blues Brothers with James Brown. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, but it was all it was all about kind of being positive and like mm. being a person and all that. And fans fucking hated it because they hate anything like that. Um, and <laughs> How then, dare you tell us to be positive? We're wrestling yeah. fans. We're doing the fuck <laughs> but, we want. <laughs> but then they kind of like twisted it and said, "Okay, well, we're still going to do that, but we're going to be heels." Mm. Was when I first really kind of bought into them because I hate, I didn't really get it 
like when they were faces. Like I'd liked all the guys in, involved in it. Like Biggie, I thought it was great NXT champion at the top. Like at the time, Kofi. Yeah. Um, obviously, he was like a multiple time Intercontinental champion. Never really got the chance to go up to the main events at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Woods had seen in like TNA as Consequences Creed. I thought he was he was quite good. Oh, I forgot he was in TNA. Huh. Yeah. Um, but then obviously they turned heels, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, they they're like deliberately being annoying. <laughs> and it's funny. Yeah. Um, and then by them being heel and like just obnoxious, annoying bastards for so long, they actually won the fans over and then become faces yeah. and become high. And even now, like you look at longevity, like most of these factions we spoke about, barring, barring the four horsemen, really, they only had like a life cycle of like a year or two. Mm-hmm. New Day have literally been going for six years. That, yeah. that tends to be WWE's thing, just. Splitting them up. Yeah. No, it's mm. just a wrestling thing because yeah. obviously it's keeping something fresh. And I think that's a testament to the new day. Of how, not necessarily how reinventing themselves. Yeah. I was just say it's not that like they've had to reinvent just themselves them. because they've they've got what well, they've got their finger on the pulse so much, like with everything going on, like musically and entertainment and stuff like that. Yeah. They're always able to just keep current, keep fresh. Yeah, I think as well, like that's some that's something else like that kind of appealed to me is that obviously I'm like a big video game and comics fan. Mm. And so are they. And yeah, yeah. like they've had like entrance gear based on um up, up, down, down, mm-hmm. um various video games. Even, <laughs> yeah, even even the entrance they did at Mania one year where they uh, they literally came out of a big box of cereal. Yeah. Yeah, they were yeah, the yeah. toy in the in the, the little surprise toy in the back yeah. in, the, in the bottom of the box. Um, awesome. And then you look at like more serious stuff when Kofi finally won the belt mm. and they were literally like fighting Clawing for that. And yeah, yeah. It ad- again added another dimension to the character. Mm-hmm. And even now with Big E, where he's like a little bit more serious, but he's still Big E. Yeah. Like they're, they're just awesome. They've always like for pretty much their whole run, I've never been bored of them. No, nor have I. There's never, there's never been a moment where I've gone. I wish they'd split up the new that they entirely like, now. Yeah, yeah. There's been times where I thought they they could benefit from a split up, but at the same time, I've mm. selfishly wanted it because I've enjoyed them too much. <laughs> I think the the only time they've seemed stale hasn't even been a fault of them. Though it's been because there's been no one around them to to yeah. challenge them. Almost, it's like it's been mm. a fault of the tag division, not as a fault yeah. of the new day mm. themselves. Mm. Yeah. That's it. And when you look as well at like WWE's treatment of tag teams and how decorated they are as a team. Yeah. Again, it's a testament to their talent that like they can they can be in that position. Mm-hmm. And it's only really them and the Usos who have done that. Like they pretty much single handedly got the Usos over with during yeah. their feud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when they when they've revisited that feud as well, like there's been times where I've got bit, like a bit bored of the Usos because they needed to change it up, and then they'd start feuding when they knew they and be like, okay, here we go. They're good again. Yeah, we've I mean, invested yeah. again. Um, yeah. But the yeah, Hell in a Cell match was fucking excellent. Oh, excellent, yeah. So, so good. But yeah, they're, they're just a genuinely entertaining team. Mm. Uh, Biggie's one of my favourite wrestlers anyway. I, I don't hide that at all. <laughs> <laughs> You've not mentioned but, yeah, that. Co- Tell me about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> co- 
we give Schiffer Aaron now uh, with Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I, I sneak him. I love a biggie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, even even Cody and Woods, like they're both really talented. Like we talked about mm. Woods coming back here the other week and how good he looked and how it was like fucking hell, I forgot how good he actually is. Yeah, yeah, he's um, excellent. Yeah, just just um they're just excellent, as I say. Mm. Uh out really well, talk really well. Not yeah. much more I can really say about that. They're just, they're just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, no, they're 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 superb, and yeah. I think I enjoyed I've enjoyed everything they've done in the ring for kind of like the last six years. Um, but listening to like their podcast and their interviews and stuff outside mm. of of the in ring has made me appreciate them even more as as, yeah. as guys because it's not it's not a it's not a gimmick like that is who they are. It's not yeah. even like an exaggeration of it. Like that is just who they are. And I think that's why they're so relatable. Like you say, like being like a big comic books and computer games fan. And they're all so in touch with that. And every reference they make, you're just like, oh, okay, that's familiar. I like that. It's something I enjoy. Yeah. And yeah, they are excellent. That's a really, really good call. Nice. Uh Ben, your last one. Oh mine. My last one. I'm gonna I'm gonna very quickly rattle through a couple of honorable mentions. It depends though. I'd say we wait honorable mentions until until I'm doing my last one. Because oh, right, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, in case someone's honorable mention is one of your picks. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if, if any of you have picked any of my honorable mentions, I'll be really concerned. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'll, I'll save them. That's okay. me we're talking about. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for my, my third and final, I have picked the possibly the most sort of celebrated TNA stable of all time, uh, the Main Event Mafia. Nice. Nice. So nice. the Main Event Mafia, again, it, I mean, it's, it's a story we've, we've sort of we've sort of covered several times already on, on, on this, on this podcast. They literally were a group of veterans who came together because they wanted to hold all, of all the former team. world champions. Too. All former world champions. Yeah. So it was originally, um, Kevin Nash, Booker T, Kurt Angle and Sting formed the main event mafia. Um, they invited team 3D in. They weren't the former world champions, but they, um, then attacked them. <laughs> uh, TNA, yeah. They had a feud with, with team 3D. Um, and then the, the next week, Scott Steiner joined when he beat down his protege PT Williams with a lead pipe. Oof, you in, a, in, in, in a harrowing, in a harrowing turn. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they, I mean, they, they weren't around actually all that long. Um, they were only about just over a year. I think they they sort of existed between 2008 and 2009, like October to October, pretty much. So they basically started. They wasn't started the whole thing glory. for it to uh, set up a feud between Angle and Sting. It, well, it was it was actually as a, a sort of way to get the belt off Joe with legitimacy because Samoa Joe was on his like undefeated streak. Oh shit! Yeah, and Ang- Angle was sort of like needing a way to, to sort of counter the fact that Samoa Joe could not be could not be stopped, pretty much. So they, um, yeah, they, they they sort of formed in order to sort of like solidify all the titles. Uh, Kevin Nash won the, the 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 valuable TNA Legends title. If you all remember that, that was the the, the most cursed belt in wrestling. What? Uh, what? Well, uh, more cursed than the NXT title. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah. in, 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 in a different way, yes. Um, it was the Legends title, then it was the T, the global title, right? The TV title, then it was the TV title, and then it was the King of the Mountain title, right? And the Grand Championship as well. And then it kind of just went away. <laughs> at, at one point, Eric Young had it as the global title and announced that he would never defend it against an American wrestler. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so they they basically 
Um, it was a it was group they they feuded with the TNA Frontline, which was like AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels. So it was it was like a proper, you know, old versus young veterans versus like young up and comers mm-hmm. sort of storyline. Uh, all the all running through this, you had like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels bringing the fight to them. Like Mick Foley was around weirdly on the side of the young guys. Um, <laughs> so it, it's sort of the, the sort of pivotal moment of this was a King of the Mountain match at I can't remember when it was. It was. Uh, was it Slammiversary? I think it was Slammiversary. They had the King of the Mountain match. To the King of the Mountain Slammiversary, yeah. Or Victory yeah, Road. So, the other, so if anyone's not aware of a King of the Mountain match, it's a, I was like a say, reverse. What is it, sorry? I, I, I will try to explain it as succinctly it's, as possible. It's the best wrestler match ever made. So it's a multi-man <laughs> match. You want to say a six-man match normally? It's usually Probably. five men. Five guys. Um... um yeah, so basically you, you have five guys and there's a, there's a hook hanging above the ring and you have to pin somebody first to become eligible. Right. So you first of all, you have to pin someone. Then if you are pinned yourself, you have to go to a penalty box for two minutes. What? But then once you are eligible, you can ask the referee on the outside to hand you the title. Right. You have to then take the title, climb up a ladder and hang the title on the hook. And then that's how you win? That's how you win. It's a reverse yeah. ladder match, effectively, yeah. <laughs> it's a Brilliant. very convoluted book, reverse what? ladder match with yeah. a with a sin bin thrown in for good measure. With, with a, yeah, yeah. With, a, with a penalty box if you get pinned, and you, can, you was... can be, obviously you can, you can be sent to the sin bin multiple times if you're currently if you're always pinned. This Fuck was yeah. TNA's answer to the money in the bank ladder match. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, literally, literally, that was their response. Like, shit, we need to do something cool like that. It's like uh, cruiserweight. Uh, so, so basically, not... there was a massive. So obviously, Samoa Joe and. Um, Kurt Angle had just been feuding intensely over over yeah. the, the, the championship and the, the Angle. I can't remember if he was the champion at this point. I know he wasn't. Joe was the champion, wasn't he? Or was someone else the champion? I best was someone champion. Someone else was the champion at one point um, as well. Wasn't it? Didn't Sting win <laughs> yeah. it? Could have been Sting. Yeah. No, no, Sting no. Because no, Sting was in the ma- Sting was in the mafia, wasn't he? Yeah, but there was like the kind of hot shot yeah, on the belt between Kurt and Sting, if I remember rightly. Let me just let me see who was, the, who was the champion going in here. No, Mick Foley was the champion. Oh shit! Of course, yeah, Mick Foley won it off Sting, didn't he? <laughs> so, a, so a Slammiversary in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Sorry, they had a kick, this King of the Mountain match. It was Kurt Angle, Mick Foley, AJ Styles, Jeff Jarrett, and It was a hell of a match. Yeah. Like Foley, Foley dropped the elbow off the top of the penalty box. AJ Styles was flipping around all over the place. To Mojo, was just killing everybody. Kurt Angle, like Angle, slammed like a million people. Jeff Jarrett was there. Um, <laughs> And so it, it ended in incredibly controversial fashion. So remember Joe the, decimated the field. He had the belt in his hand. He was climbing up the ladder. He got to the top. He stopped. Kurt Angle runs up. It looks like they're out to have a fight. Samoa Joe hands the belt to Kurt Angle. Kurt what? Angle hands it. Yep, yeah. Samoa Joe turns heel and joins Benedict Mafia. Fucking hell. So this 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 was like the beginning of the end, really, of Samoa Joe as a force in TNA, which was, which was kind of weird. I, I remember uh, watching that match um, and kicking off yeah it, so it, to, to, say, to say it upset people was just to put it mildly um, <laughs> it was i mean it was it was a great moment and it was a great visual but mm. it was like the long-term booking ramifications on some of joe's career he never he, he put him into like a, a sort of tailspin from which his, his tna career never recovered really you know i don't think he ever won a singles belt again in tna after that if i'm totally honest shit he just okay. kind of floated around for a number of years. We did some tag stuff. Anyway, so yeah, so it, it actually got it got to a point where coming into Bound for Glory, the, the main event mafia held all of the belts. Mm-hmm. So they had the tag belts, they had um, 
the Legends title. <laughs> and they had and they had the CIA title and the exhibition title because Joe was ex- oh Joe was exhibition champion sorry yeah he did he did end up Vampire remind me what wow. what is the X division so the X division it's it's effective yeah it's it's effectively TNA's cruiser division however at the time its tagline was it's not about weight limits it's about no limits so you could have yeah. you could have anyone it, it, they were these were high flying like spot fest matches but right. they, there was no weight limit so Samoa Joe was the champion for example because. Right. Yeah, I was going to say that was, that was that was a dark period in in TNA's history. That was back in the bad times. <laughs> ah, this okay. was like the, this was like the cusp of like the end of TNA's golden period from like sort of two thousand five <laughs> to two thousand nine. Like, great matches with great guys. Mm. The main event mafia was sort of like the apex as it sort of to like sort of sink back down mm. into the into the swamp of Hogan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so so they got the Vampire Glory two thousand nine, and I will just very quickly go over what happened to Vampire Glory two thousand nine because I think it's worth. It's just, this was very much the end of the main event mafia. Glory, why is there not a oh, victory road? Oh, let me let me lead in. Oh, justice, no one cares. Oh, for glory, two thousand nine. So, for glory, two thousand nine, you had. Um, oh yeah, Booker T and Scott Steiner going in as the tag team champions. They lost the British Invasion. Um, Sting was the world champion. Anyway, just asked the champion. Anyway, basically, they lost all the belts at, at Bound for Glory, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was it. That was sort of the end of the, of the stable, really. Kurt Angle then turned his face and said that, oh, yeah, you know, these, these kids were right, effectively. Um, give them the rub. So, the, the long term sort of impact of the main event mafia was it sort of gave the rub to the likes of AJ Styles, mm-hmm. Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, some <laughs> it, it sort of did do a little bit of a job of building these guys up. Right. Uh, interestingly, there was actually a uh, an aborted attempt to bring them back in 2011. Oh, really? Um, to fight a mortal. Yeah, Scott Steiner came back and he was he's hyped <laughs> ready to go with Kurt Angle. But um, Booker T and Kevin Nash signed WWE contracts to appear at the Rumble. Ah, okay. And so they sort of pulled the plug on that. And then there was a much worse, like, successful attempt to bring it back in 2013. Um <laughs> This is not the main event mafia that I was referring to when we had Sting, Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, Magnus, and Rampage Jackson as, as, as a, a sort of new, a sort of new main event mafia to feud with Aces Nates. Yep, yeah, uh, he didn't actually do it. He wasn't allowed. So they brought in. Was he still Rampage under Jackson. UFC contract or something? Yeah. So uh, well, I think it was a Bellator at this point. Okay, maybe. So Rampage Jackson was going to fight Tito Ortiz on Bellator. Mm-hmm. So Rampage Jackson joined the main event mafia and Tito Ortiz joined Aces Nates. And but they weren't allowed to wrestle because obviously they were under fight contracts mm-hmm. and they, they didn't want to get injured. So they didn't do anything. They just stood there and like occasionally hit someone on the outside. And then eventually they both had to leave the company because they would, couldn't get insured. And then the fight didn't even happen. Oh so, fucking hell. Wow. <laughs> it was like the ultimate waste of everybody's time. Jesus. That, that, that in many ways, um, the, uh, the ultimate waste of anybody's time, if you want to clip that quote, that is ultimately describes TNA from like 2010 to 2013. <laughs> that's for, that's for one, three years, no one's getting back. <laughs> yeah, me, me in particular. <laughs> I watch everything. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, for that moment in 2008, 2009, the main event mafia, they, they were, they were, they were, Pretty much a perfect, again, perfect heel stable. They they controlled the card. They they kept the young guys down just enough to sort of give them the the sort of you know baby face moments. Mm. And yeah, they they did a they did a cracking job. Sweet. So, Good. It entry. also contributed to my favorite episode of Impact ever. You're talking about when um, Booker T and Kevin Nash did commentary and they hijacked that they hijacked <laughs> the show. So you had Booker T, Booker T and Kevin Nash on commentary as Black Snow 
Black Snow and Chet Lemon. Chet Lemon. Um, <laughs> yeah, Scott Steiner is the ring announcer. And just put a line where he's announcing the Dudley Boys and he says, Now, Heraldin from the state of obesity. <laughs> this, this period also gave us the, the infamous Scott Steiner math promo as well. Yes, the best promo in professional wrestling. Yes. Yeah. Um, no lie detected, Aaron. You also had you also had that that period where Booker T just started talking in a Nigerian accent for no reason. What? I mean, these were these were yeah. just like these these were just the veterans going going to business for themselves to pop each other at this point. Yeah. And it was, well, and it was it, you can see it now, Kevin Nash, just like going right. This will be dead funny. Do this, <laughs> and then oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Booker T just for no reason at all. It was never explained. Just one week started speaking in a Nigerian accent, brilliant, and then gradually started like wearing like more like um, kind of like Eddie Eddie Murphy and coming to America like she so, uh, yeah, <laughs> like like to the point where he was at one point wearing a crown and like a robe like King Booker, but he was talking with a thick African accent. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> Superb. Yeah. Nice. Good entry. Cheers, Ben. Uh Aaron, your final one? No. Well, let's keep on board this fucking TNA bandwagon, shall we? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. hello. Hello. You've got, you got my yeah. attention now. <laughs> TNA. TNA. I'm going, I'm going to 2016. So. Fucking hell. All right. Okay. I'm going, I, think I, know, I think I know where you're going with this. I'm going with Decay on this one. Oh, okay. Ah. I, tried, I, 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 I took Decay off my list this morning for 14. Oh. Damn. So, Decay were great. I'm going Abyss Rosemary and Cra- Crazy Steve as Crazy, Decay. Crazy Steve. Crazy, Crazy Steve. Crazy. Double Z. Yeah. <laughs> um, former tag team champs and knockouts champs together whilst in this faction. Uh, couple, just It started off Decay versus Wolves for tag titles in a Monsters Ball match, which Decay won the titles. This be Jimmy Havoc in a no DQ, because who doesn't want to see that? All because <laughs> Jimmy Havoc used to date Rosemary, so Jimmy wanted Rosemary back. Abyss was like, no, pal. <laughs> no pal no so they, they, were pre- they were pretty domineering for a time yeah well. it, it they, was they only like, a year again the whole just a year they were built up as like monster heels like the real killers the Hardys was fantastic Decay beat Which beer money Decay beat beer money in a valley of shadow match to win tag titles a fucking what match the, the only reason they got the tag title match is because they kidnapped Gail Kim <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> So uh, just just before you go on a second, who who consisted or yeah, sorry, who was in Decay? A bit the Monster Abyss, Crazy Steve and right. Rosemary, the three of them. Just three of them. Just okay. the three of them. Yeah. Okay. Um and then we got the greatest rivalry ever in TNA of the fucking Hardy Boys versus Decay. Broken Hardys. Broken Broken Hardys. <clears throat> Oh, so was this Brother yeah. Nero? Bro- yeah. Brother Nero, Broken Matt. Oh, peak. Uh, nice. So obviously you got your... Matt, Matt and Brother Nero beat them at Ben for Glory in 2016. We'll say 16. That sounds right. We'll say 16. Uh, after Decay... Decay... Aaron, right. After Decay... Oh, 
Fucking hell, mate. Put your teeth back in. He's so excited to talk about Crash Steve. Oh. This is... <laughs> Take a deep breath. It's fine. We all understand. <laughs> so, Decay do more of their kidnapping shenanigans by threatening to kidnap King Maxwell to get tag title shots for the... Bro- Fucking hell, who wrote this? Vince Russo? (laughs) Quite possibly. Kidnapping people's children. This is all Nether Realms and Ender Dragons and I. This was like the the peak of like TNA leaning into the skid of like cinematic matches in the broken universe. Like this was like a year or so after the final deletion. Yeah, so so basically you got got Delete or Decay, which was Decay versus Broken Matt and Brother Nero. Hmm. At the Hardy compound. From my then, money, my fa- my favourite of the um of the, the Hardy cinematic matches in DNA. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a very good one. And you also got the total non-stop deletion episode where it was a whole episode dedicated to the Hardy compound. You had oh, I King, saw that. King Maxwell beating Rockstar Spud. Yes. <laughs> I saw that. I, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was uh, was that wasn't that tag team apocalypto. Tag, tag team yeah. apocalypto. Where you had uh, decay, uh, the Hardys, Didn't they rock, and roll roll the rock and roll express. Rock and express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, just all of them running a bit. Then, the then they have um, Ricky Morton and Road Warrior Animal fighting and cherry pickers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like slapping at each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just. All this cinematic stuff with the Hardys, just in general, them being creepy bastards, but in a cheesy level, no serious way, like some other boy in WWE. But never mind. We'll get away for that. Like like who, Aaron? <laughs> we'll get away for him. Um, don't, and... think I've, don't think I've not forgotten what you said on Air Band for Glory last night. When you <laughs> come out. What happened? What did he say? Uh... No, he was go- I asked him if he liked Sue Young, and he went, yeah, I love it. I went, oh, so somebody whose gimmick is they're literally undead, you love. Who's <laughs> an undead person, you love. <laughs> the gimmicks are they're literally a zombie and you love them. <laughs> a bit a bit like if they were an undertaker. <laughs> <sighs> here's here's your serving of words, Aaron. Enjoy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we just got the whole just cinematic of the Hardys and Decay at each other, trying to kidnap kids, and I'm pretty sure Crazy Steve got drowned at one point by Brother Nero. Yeah, I think I remember pool. that. that Didn't was... he get blown up with fireworks as well? Yeah, he got blown up. A lot of things happened. Fucking <laughs> hell. Um, oh, it's so good. Um, and the only reason they split up was... LAX beat Decay in a street fight. Uh, Crazy Steve left the company, so LAX did a funeral for Decay, and that was the end of Decay. And they, they sort of that sort of solidified the return of LAX into TNA yeah, as well at yeah. that point, which was quite nice. But I, I just thought I'd go something different. And yeah, fair enough. Decay and was again, one it, of my favourites. It was a real. It's a really good example of like taking guys or like. Like taking Crazy Steve and, and Abyss, who had like not really been anywhere relevant at the time, and they put them together, and they got they got more out of them than they were as, as it, their, their individuals. This, this was like the first of the real cinematic matches. Right, you had Jeff and Matt at each other before this, 
in cinematic matches. But then once they got together as a team, they couldn't exactly do it anymore. So they just got decaying. And it was when, it made it was when they were so they, much better. They, they, they sort of hit the peak of like like you said, this was like the peak of like what they were producing as part of the Broken Universe cinematic yeah. matches sort of thing. This was like this was when Mahari was like I mean look this is mad this this happened in like 2016 17 and like four, four years later and we're, we're still in this world where cinematic matches are happening on every pay-per-view and this yeah. is all traced back to Matt Hardy at this time which is crazy yeah yeah crazy even crazy <laughs> awesome thanks Aaron um, my final choice for favourite factions is the Wyatt family um nice. Spooky boys. Spooky boys from the swamps. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they debuted on NXT in November of 2012. Um, Wyatt portrayed himself as this weird murder cult leader, just fucking odd, kind of channeling his inner Charles Manson. Um, and who's the guy from Cape Fear? Max Cady? Is it Cape, Cape Fear? Robert De Niro's character in that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, if anyone remembers him, uh, Waylon Mercy as well. From yes. er, like early WWE, like 90s sort of WF, but same sort of thing. Um, just even in terms of an outfit, like his shirts, like really bright Hawaiian shirts. And he'd just do these promos in the middle of nowhere or the woods or something like that. And just speak kind of really, really cryptically and kind of like just really fucking eerie and like nothing well, you'd heard couldn't. before. Calling someone to take of that gimmick was a part shoot. Which one? Whale of oh, Mercy. Whale of Mercy. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. He used to, he used to tag with a Dan Spivy who, uh, who was who Whale of Mercy. Yeah, yeah. Become Whale of Mercy, and he said he was he was fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family as a whole were very much um, a hark back to that, and like I say, kind of the Charles Manson um, sort of cult thing um and it was it was just really really captivating and really transcendent and i hadn't seen anything like that since the attitude era really like where it was just such a a really diverse dynamic sort of character um where you had these two big hulking guys in the background that didn't really say anything but just looked intimidating as anything but this guy that would speak almost like calmly but what he was saying was really just uh, what's the word like quite threatening and 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 deep and meaningful and kind of really made you think a lot and it was awesome it was really really good um, so yeah they debuted on NXT in 2012 um, originally in their early uh, inception creation featured Baron Corbin as part of the stable and known in NXT as Judas Devlin, now known as Luchasaurus in AEW, was part of the original incarnation. Um, obviously, later on, uh, it was Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Um, after that, they debuted on the main roster in 2013. They then went on to a really, really good story and I enjoyed with Daniel Bryan the next year in 2013, which led to an awesome match at the Royal Rumble. I think it was the opening match at the Rumble of 2014 against uh, Daniel Bryan, which is really, really good. Um, later on, they had Braun Strowman join them, 2015. Uh, Black Sheep. Black Sheep, which was really cool. Like, I remember like being like, fuck me, this guy's enormous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
just really, really impressive. And, and that was cool. And to see all four of them then is like, yeah. Um, Enormous, but I had a squishy face. <laughs> <laughs> then when we got the, the draft split, obviously Braun uh, was split away from them, but then they had that spell in 2016 where Orton sort of partially joined them for a bit. Uh, and it was... Um, it would start the rivalry with them for their match at Mania. Which we won't talk about. It was guff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really, really guff. Um, should have been a triple threat. Yeah. yeah, Luke yeah. Harper should have been in Luke it. Luke Harper should have been in it for definite. 100%. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just, they're so good. And we all know how good Bray Wyatt is for, on the microphone, character development, um, considering he came from as Husky Harris in the Nexus to what he is now and everything in between. Um, it's just incredible. Just everything Which, from their entrance to their if, music. If you're not American, Husky means fat. So he's just fat <laughs> Harris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a hell of a glow up, wasn't it? From <laughs> Um, a couple of notable points. Uh, they won the Wrestling Observer Best Gimmick Award in 2013. Um, they were NXT Tag Champions. Bray went on to become WWE Champion. It was SmackDown Tag Team Champions with Harper and Orton. Uh, Harper was also an Intercontinental Champion. Um, and then after that, as the Bludgeon Brothers, I think they were SmackDown Champions, Eric and, and Harper as well. Um right. If you haven't watched that Elimination Chamber where Wyatt wins the title, go watch it. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, it's a good match. It's a really, really good match. Um, But yeah, I just just think they're they're superb. They're they're so different to to anything else. And like I said, it's mainly down to the creative mindset of, of Bray Wyatt and just them allowing him that kind of bit of creative freedom to just kind of go off and, and do whatever you want and not kind of put these constraints and stuff like that. And obviously we're seeing that now with stuff like the fiend and the fly of fun house and stuff. Um, yeah, they're, they're just super, really, really good. Um, and you don't get many factions like that, that I think that really, really captivate people. And when you've got someone like Bray Wyatt, that's as good a speaker as he is and clearly a very, very intelligent guy. Um, it's very rare. You get, factions stables whatever that, that come along um and yeah for me they're an absolute standout yeah no argument here um with yeah. a faction like that as well you tend to find there's a very small margin for error like it yeah. only takes one fuck up and it can ruin the whole mystique of it and they manage yeah. to they, they manage to kind of wade through a lot of bad booking and still hold that mystique and i think mm-hmm. that's a testament to how good like the guys involved are yeah Although Bray should have beat Cena at Mania. Yes. A hundred thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> and ended the streak. And uh, yeah. Well, he went in. Was While it, we're on it. <laughs> he went <laughs> He went into that match injured, didn't he? At Mania against Taker. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he did. Like a, didn't he have a... his leg or foot yeah. or... Yeah. Broken ankle or something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was still doing his weird crab walking with a broken ankle. <laughs> again stuff like that I didn't even touch on that but just I know this is more specifically about Bray than the Wyatt family as a whole but in fact to be fair all of them like but some of their mannerisms in the ring like Bray's whole like weird crab walk thing and then like 
Luke Harper's just really vacant, like thousand yard stare. Harper had like chance as well, wouldn't he? During matches, so you go, what? yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like he hit like a move. Yeah, just really um, odd stuff like that. But <laughs> yeah. but just there was that match that they had um, Bray against Daniel Bryan at the Rumble in 2014, and I think there's a bit where Bray launches Bryan over the announce table. And then he, he sort of walks away, but then he turns back around and that kind of like just throws himself around again. And he looks at the camera and just starts cackling really weirdly and then just goes all sort of solemn and normal again. And it's just this switch just off and on like that. And like you say, kind of yeah. Harper had his whole thing and, and Rowan had his mannerisms. And yeah, it was just really, really clever. Really good. Yeah. Excellent. Really, so it's really, it's really tempting as like sort of like a casual fan to just look at the Wyatt family and be like, oh, someone from WWE just saw True Detective and they wanted to copy that. But True Detective actually didn't come out until 2014. Oh, really? So this is this was WWE. The Wyatt family were already a thing. I think a lot of they they, they sort of went hand in hand a lot. So True Detective was massive, mm, wasn't it? And mm. they, they, you had this like spooky Louisiana cult leader in Bray Wyatt, yeah. and that that sort of like helped me in in any way. I loved season one of True Detective, and yeah. that sort of got me into the Wyatt family as a sort of consequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's important to note that they were they were actually fully formed and unleashed upon yeah. the world before True Detective came out. Which is Dusty Rhodes wrote uh, True Detective. Confirm. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so Jay, do some. Honourable mentions before. Say, yeah, before we I'll, get to your last one. I'll tell you what, I'll put my pick that I'm going to talk about in the comments now. Okay. So we don't say that. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a good shout. And then everything else is fair game. <laughs> so I'll just read, I'll read through my honourable men- honorable mentions first while you all read that mm-hmm. one line of text. <laughs> Sorry, so, I can only read a letter at a time. <laughs> I know. Well, that, that's why I thought I'd do that to help you, Aaron. Thanks. Um, it's all right, mate. It's because I care. Um, so, one that I think we'd all we'd all agree on uh, the shield. Yep. Uh, when you look yep. at a lot of a lot of factions, you kind of look at and think, well, the whole point is to elevate everybody who's in it, or at least one or two people from in it, from mm. within it. This is literally a faction where every single man has been a world champion. Yep. Um, Some in two different companies. (laughs) Yeah. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and um, Dean Ambrose, now known as John Moxley, obviously. Um, Yeah. What what more can you say? Like, they're they're literally three of the top guys in wrestling at the moment. Um, Yeah. And it all kind of come from this um, faction to, like, Mm -hmm. elevate them. Just, just brilliant. Um, yeah. There's two. There's two that I'm going to say that are actually well. I say two that are around today. There's, there's actually a third as well. Um, first one being the Bullet Club because they just you. You look at like a modern day version of the NWO, mm. and it's the Bullet Club. Like you can literally buy the T-shirt like in Hot Topic in America, which is like a, a fucking huge chain. Yeah, yeah. And, People like people wear them. I've got like about four bullet club shirts myself. Um, <laughs> and like especially going back to like when Finn Balor was there, um AJ Styles, um they literally passed on the on nights, then Kenny Omega. It it seemed and Jay White and Evil as well. It seems like the leader of the Bullet Club, it, other than Finn Balor, aka Prince Dever, mm. and briefly Carl Anderson, are kind of right. destined to win a world championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they, they've kind of 
as I say, they've kind of got like the crossover appeal that like DX and NWO had back in the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. Today, yeah. Um, another the other the other ones I've got that are kind of like modern day are the Hair Business, which is nice. MVP, Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric, because I just think they're awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Brit, the the again the one of the things that keeps Raw watchable for me at the moment. <laughs> um, and wait, what the fuck was the other one? Oh, the Dark Order, because of okay. the way they've evolved recently. Um, with Mister Brody Lee, mm-hmm. to kind of build on your point about uh, the Wyatt family with Luke Harper. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you've got you've got them as like an evil corporation, but they're also like a dark cult at the same time, mm. and it's just a bit different. Like, and then you've got like, like the corporate ministry, kind of. Yes, <laughs> was that one of yours? Uh, it was one of my honourable mentions. Was that a segue? I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, Brody Lee, top top Chikara alumni as well. Brody Lee, yeah. Oh, okay. Cut, cut his teeth in there. Yeah. Uh, well, that that's my honourable mention there. What else? What else? Um, you guys well, are you going to put your third one in the chat first? So we don't talk about. I already have. Yeah. No, he's put it to me privately. I think. Oh, yeah, privately. I've got it, but I don't think anyone else has. I yeah, I'll, I'll go. Spirit Squad, Free Man Band, and the Flying Elvises. Fuck me, the Flying Elvises. <laughs> and Elvis is Sonny Siaki et al. from the first ever TNA people. <laughs> What lads? <laughs> Fuck yes! Oh mate. <laughs> fun um, fun fact: Sonny Siaki had to retire from wrestling because he uh, donated a kidney to his brother. Yeah, Damn. yeah. You don't know how tempted I was to write about the flying Elvises for this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Uh, oh, my <laughs> honourable mentions would be um, the Shield. Uh, which you've already discussed, Jay. Um, yeah, like you said, I can't really say much more on them, but it's fucking excellent. Really, really good. Um, my other one, as we touched on, I say the corporate ministry. It was actually the ministry. Um, really cool. Just really fucking just dark and satanic. And they, I was like... They had a faction within a faction as well. In in what sense, sorry? The brood. Wow. That's my last one, the brood. <laughs> more, more, more kidnapping people. I mean, where to? Stephanie remains one of the greatest endings <laughs> to a show of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So within that, like you said, uh, the brood uh, mainly, and again, this will go into a future episode. Um, but their music was fucking excellent. The best entrance. The music best of all time. entrance music of all. Not, time. not just entrance music. Entrance. <laughs> and, and entrance. Yeah. 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 He rose yeah. up from a fucking ring of fire. What's not to get excited about that? And then spat blood everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, the brood uh, are my um, honourable mention. Uh, ben, what were yours? Uh, okay, so f- I'm going to start off with a dishonourable mention. Very quickly. Okay. Um, this is what I think are the, probably the worst stable I've ever seen in my entire life. <clears throat> and this is Mexican-America from TNA. Consisted of <laughs> Hernanda, Sean Hernandez, Anarchia, Sarita, and Rosita, who is now Selena Vega. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were basically a short, sort of shitty reheated leftovers version of LAX. <laughs> and they, they go onto my shit list very specifically. <laughs> Anarchia. So Hernandez, he's Hernandez. He's fine. I'll talk about him in a minute. Um, Anarchia was the worst wrestler I have ever seen in professional wrestling. <laughs> he, um, he managed to miscatch Chris Saban during a match, resulting in him tearing his ACL and MCL. 
Good grief. I'll put him out for a, put him out for a year. Ah, uh, you Naya. Ah, uh, you Naya. Ah, uh, you Naya Jacks in disguise. <laughs> he, was, he actually got sent back down to OBW because he was so shit and then he got sacked from OBW. Jesus. So yeah, Anarchia, if you're listening, I hate you. Um, <laughs> Matt Pereira. Um yeah, so they they, they were terrible. Um, so it's while we're on the subject of Hernandez, we'll talk about another thing Hernandez ruined, which was the beatdown clan. Oh yeah. So the Beatdown Clan, if you don't know, they were very much <laughs> basically the her business, but in TNA yeah. about five years ago. It yeah, was yeah. Kenny King, MVP, Bobby Lashley, Samoa Joe, Low Key, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. They were then joined by Hernandez, who claimed he was free from contract with Lucha Underground. So they filmed six months of footage with Hernandez in. Because they, this is the time when Impact were broke. They were literally doing like bulk mm. taping. So they were taping like four or five months of footage at once. Fuck they taped hell. all this they taped all this footage with Hernandez in. And then basically you turned around like, no, nah, it's still the contract. You can't use any of that footage. Fuck off. <laughs> and so I basically killed the stable and they had to like take them off TV for six months and it, it just it nearly bankrupted the company because they had to like reshoot so much shit. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. Good lord. And then you want to talk about something Hernandez was good in. We'll go to LAX. Like both the original LAX mm-hmm. with um with Homicide and Conan. Yeah. And then the, the, the sort of the rebrand, the rebrand of LAX, the sort of the the more famous probably nowadays one with um, Santana Ortiz. So this was my my most wrong I've ever been in professional wrestling was when I came back to watch a bit of TNA and I saw they had the new LAX and it wasn't Hernandez and Homicide. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, this is this is this is going to be some like shitty re- redo. We're like, you know, they've just got two random guys yeah. to do LAX because they want they want a cheap pop for the fans. And then I watched them and I was like, oh shit, no, these guys can go. Yeah, yeah. And look at and, them and, now. And look at them now. Yeah, they're in the inner circle. Um, speaking on, on, on the topic of Conan, we have the Three Live Crew, which was a, a, a very short-lived, short-lived statement consisting of the Road Dog, R-Truth, and Conan as rappers with, with, the, with their signature song, Get Rowdy. Fucking hell, I remember that. Yep. Dreadful. And my last one, uh, I'm very briefly, because it was just so much fun, was Paparazzi Productions, which was, there were other guys in it, but it was ostensibly... Kevin Nash helping Alex Shelley videotape people. Yeah. And that what, sounds what's odd to, and voyeuristic. What, what's not to like about that, quite frankly? This was like the start of Alex Shelley showing off his like real comedic talent. Huh. That's what I uh, birthed um, Black Machismo as well. Yeah. And um, this this was when, so there, was, there were shades of like early Alex Shelley. There was a lot of Chris Jericho in like younger Alex Shelley. He, he had that sort of like charisma and, ta- and, com- and com- comedic ability down like really, really well. And it's a pity that he didn't get to, to go on and have a, a, a big singles career because I think he really could have handled it. But yeah, Paparazzi Productions were just really good fun. They didn't didn't stick around very long, but it was just, yeah, it was just great. Kevin Nash was brilliant in that. He was so funny. Yeah. Nice. That was so funny. Um, Jake, Shall I get to my last pick then? Your last yeah, pick. Let's get the last one done. Shock the system, guys. We're talking about great entry music then, you know. Um, yeah. It is it is that, my actual there. it is my actual um alarm as well. So I wake up to that. Awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. Uh, I start, I was actually, when I was talking about like the way I was planning on doing this, I was going to have the Four Horsemen last because these guys kind of follow the blueprint of the Four Horsemen. Yeah, yeah. Where you've got like a tag team, a mid-card guy, well, not mid-card guy, but a mid-card champion guy and 
a world champion contender. Um, obviously, they did the Prophecy of Gold, which was uh, Adam Cole winning the NXT title, uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly winning the uh, Ring uh, Ring of Honor tag titles. They did win them as well, but mm. the NXT tag titles. <laughs> um, and Roderick Strong winning the NXT North American Championship, and now they're on the on the path to redemption of reclaiming those belts. Yes, they um, are. They're just great, and the thing the thing which I like about them is they kind of like they they don't take themselves too seriously. Like mm. they're, they're a bit of a piss take of like sort of like frat boy jock guys. Yeah. The thing the thing that kind of sticks out to me with that is. Every time William Regal kind of like told off Adam Cole or like announced War Games, Adam, <laughs> Games. Adam Cole's face was like he was having like a complete and utter existential crisis because of that. Um, <laughs> if you go back and watch, <laughs> like he literally looks like he's having a on the stage. It's fantastic. Um, another thing is when Pete Dunne um, backstage says said something to Adam Cole about defending his belt. And Kyle O'Reilly's got like this pair of like bright white sunglasses, <laughs> and he takes them off and just goes, "How dare you!" <laughs> um, it just shit, shit like that. But then when you see them actually wrestle, they back it up, like hundred mm, percent. Yeah. Oh, the other thing actually, just while while I'm on the top topic of like goofy stuff, they do is when they did the Alistair, Bla- Alistair Black getting attacked angle, and they kind of oh, did yeah. like the. He did like the reach, the shot of it of like kind of like showing where everyone was at the mm-hmm. time, and obviously like Johnny Gargano comes in the building and then it goes out and it's the undisputed era in a convertible. Adam Cole and I think it's Roderick Strong sat on like the back, like the back at the top. Yeah, yeah. both Adam Cole's holding up the Adam Cole baby symbol. Roderick Strong's got the uh, undisputed era symbol. Symbol. And they're listening to their entrance music as they drive away. <laughs> and that just that means <laughs> But yeah, as I say, they, they back it up. Um they're all like decorated guys from the Indies as well, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like mainly Ring of Honor, obviously. Uh, yeah, like well, Red Dragon, like the, the tag team on the Indies, weren't they? Yeah. Like, yeah. When they when they when they jumped the guardrail and debuted, it was like a real mass- it was a shock. I, pun I was watching I was watching that uh, that takeover with you but then. Um, yeah, was it Andrade and, and Drew? Uh, it was, was Drew it? and Bobby Roode. Drew and Roode, that was it. Yeah, yeah. And it was when, when Drew won the belt. Was it when Drew won yeah, the belt? Yeah, Drew, yeah. Drew won, won the belt. belt. Yeah. And I we we'd been to a Ring of Honor show that day as well. And all day I've been saying Adam Cole's defo debut tonight. <laughs> like we we I was adamant it was going to happen, and everyone was like, "Yeah, it might do, it might do." And then I was like, "No, it's fucking take over." They always have a big debut. And I believe Sanity had won the tag titles off. Um, I can't even remember who the fucking was now, but they'd won the tag. Oh, all the pain. Um, oh, yeah. And then after the bell, Bobby Fish and Kyle Riley attacked them. I was like, mm. well, that that's interesting because yeah. they, they they debuted a few weeks before, just kind of like what everyone at the time thought was just a one-off match against Alistair Black. Um, oh, okay. And then later in the show, Drew wins the Drew wins the. Uh, NXT title off Bobby Roode mm-hmm. and then Adam Cole jumps the barrier and attacks Drew and I, I 
don't think I've heard many bigger pops on takeovers yeah. than when Adam Cole jumped that barrier. You could hear the crowd swelling because they knew there was someone there. They saw him and he obviously the made crowd. his way through and you could hear them. And as soon as he got in the ring, they fucking exploded. And then afterwards, um, when he did that, threw up the Adam Cole baby. Yeah. And everyone did it. And mm-hmm. it kind of shows as well. Like he, he's someone I left out um, deliberately when I was talking about ex Bullet Club members. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it again, it shows like kind of like the cross appeal of that, and the fact that he was already a megastar going into WWE. Yeah, from quite a kind of niche audience of like wrestling fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you saw what you saw him in the Rumble like last year as well, like the pop he got. Oh yeah, man, from, 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 from the mainstream WWE crowd, yeah. not just the NXT guys, from like the mainstream that crowd. Was was... Off the back of his takeover match, was it with Alex? No, it was a couple of years ago. Like he'd had yeah, a match was, against Alistair Black, like the street fight or something. Yeah, it was a street fight, and he had bandage ribs. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the and then you look at when Roderick Strong joined, where mm. it was a tag team uh, triple threat match. I think it was um, War Games. No, it wasn't Morgan. No, it wasn't. I oh, know it wasn't. I just it wanted wasn't to say. It. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, Rod- Roderick... Sorry, mate, I've ruined that for you. <laughs> Rod- Roderick Strong had basically been a few them with Undisputed Era for a few months at this point, mainly Adam Cole. And he he was tagging with Pete Dunne mm-hmm. against the Undisputed Era and I think somebody else, somebody else maybe the Authors of Pain, but I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I uh, feel like there was someone else involved. And basically, it looked like him and Pete Dunne were about to win the tag titles. And then out of nowhere, he hit Pete Dunne with the end of heartache and basically, like, pointed. It was when Bobby Fish got injured as well. Um, oh, so, yeah. it was, so it was meant to be Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Adam Cole had already had that, I think it was that street fight with a uh, Black. With Arthur Black. Yeah. Um, so he was battered. And then he got put through a table dead early on in the match as well. <laughs> and yeah, then Rod- Roddy basically turned heel, handed the victory to the Undisputed Era, and then that's when the prophecy of gold started. Um, but yeah, you, you look at what, what they've accomplished in pretty much about a year and a half, two and a half year span. Mm. Um, and you look at how like Adam Cole and... Kyle Riley and even to a degree Roderick, Roderick Strong are all kind of coming into their like peak now. Yeah, I think I was talking about the Shield earlier with them being like all all world champions, and at the time everyone thought they were future world champions. Hmm. I could definitely see Adam Cole and Kyle Riley being like top yeah. guy in wrestling, definitely. like, like no, no pun no pun intended, but they sort of like solidified the modern era of NXT as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, when, sure. when they came in, like the roster was kind of on like a sort of a, a rebuilding point. It was it was mm. on a bit of a downswing, and they just brought yeah. this huge injection of star power and like in, instantly credible main event guys. Yeah, that could that could have these dream matches, which yeah. NXT really needed at that point. Yeah, so. and you look you look at Adam Cole's title run as well. Um, Superb, and and also how much how much him losing the title to Keith Lee elevated Keith Lee. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where now he's like on the main roster and he's like kind of being groomed as being like a main event guy. And that was just from like a month run after beating Adam Cole for the belt and ending like the longest reign in NXT history. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just they're just excellent. And I think they're only going to get better. Mm. Um, and yeah, Adam Cole is just a great. And that, uh, that North American title ladder match was a particular highlight as well. Yes. Yeah. And, and the match he had with uh, Ricochet a month later. 
Yeah. Was that when he, he super kicked him off the flip off the ropes? Yeah. yeah. He did like a backflip <laughs> off the ropes and caught him right in the chair. I remember that. Going yeah. mental for it. <laughs> Absolutely <People>, batshit. <laughs> people say Kenny Omega's the best belt machine. I'm going to say it's Adam Cole. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> and that's undisputed. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that rounds up our best top three favorite factions uh thank you for joining us as always uh if we've missed any out or if you thought of something different let us know on twitter at untitled rest pod uh or join us on facebook um for some live streams of some upcoming pay-per-views you can find us there on untitled wrestling podcast i've been troy joined by jay aaron and ben look after yourselves until next time cheers bye Blue World Order number one. (laughs) (laughs) Behave yourself. (laughs) We will. Getting to know you.